People in the time of the end will be very unique and very different in a bad way. We'll talk about that as we study 2 Timothy chapter 3 today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. Thank you for joining us today as we go through the Bible from Genesis 1 to Revelation chapter 22. In about three minutes, we're going to study what people are like in these times. It's going to be very interesting. Right now, Ryan is here. All right, well, in today's segment, I want to gain an understanding of Paul's analogy of an Olympian competing for a crown, which he writes about in 1 Corinthians 9.25 and also 2 Timothy 2.5. Excellent. Very good. Look forward to that. Janice? Today, be equipped. All right, very good. And Richard, thank you for being with us today. Thanks for having me back again. <laughs> From Creation Ministries International, we'll talk about that and more as we begin to study the Word of God. Let's open up the Bible and the Bible Guide, and let's get to it. Very interesting second to me. Second Timothy 3, 1 through 17. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Jans and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds, disapproved concerning the faith, but they will progress no further for their folly will be manifest to all as theirs also was. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. And out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 17.
2 Timothy 1, 2, 3, and 4. That's what we read today going through the Bible, and this is a great passage. The last time Paul ever wrote anything was in 2 Timothy. There are several 316 passages of Scripture that are important. Here's an example of what I mean. John 3.16. A lot of times people have this on their shirt. Well, that's crucial to the definition of the good news of Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's good. 2 Timothy 3.16 is crucial as well. And it says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, in righteousness. Oh, that's a good passage. Both passages are important for us to keep close to our hearts and in our minds as the world constantly shifts and changes around us. Now, God never shifts, nor does he ever change. He's always the same. Fashion and style, they change. The culture will shift and change. The ideas of the time moves forward. But God and his word always remain the same. God does not change. Very important to consider that and keep that close to our hearts as we study today. Scripture is critical. Now, one of the things that we learn as we read through the Bible is we need to know Scripture. So I would encourage you to take your Bible guide and turn to it if you don't have a Bible guide. Call us or write to us. We'll send you one. Or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com and click on the Bible guide. It'll take you to a page where, and thank you for your donations, by the way. In today's world, a lot of people are making decisions to support us. Thank you so much because that's all we have. You know, we're not supported by some big organization somewhere. It's just us. <laughs> and so we live on the daily offerings of people. And this is an example of how God speaks and how God keeps us alive. So thank you for doing that. And then it'll take you to a page where you can download the Bible guide. Very, very good. Today, we're going to be talking about scripture is critical from 2 Timothy chapter 3. It's a good one. Father, help us today as we open up your word. And we look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. These are the last words Paul ever wrote in a book. And help us to read that and understand what the Lord is saying through him. Thank you, Father. And in Jesus' wonderful name, we said together, make it so. Amen. All right. Let's get ready and focus on this because it's important. Starting with verse 1. But know this, that in the last days... Perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves. I want you to pay attention to this, okay? It's important. Men will be lovers of themselves. They will be lovers of money. They will be boasters. They will be proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. They will be unholy. They will be unloving. They will be unforgiving. Slanderers without self-control. Brutal. Despisers of good. Traitors. Headstrong. Haughty. 
lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people, turn away. Now, this is amazing, beloved. The times of the end are real, and some people will change for the worse. They will. All who follow and love God will not change for the worse because of the Holy Spirit living in them. Did you hear what I said? And I can tell you that there's a lot of people reading this right now, looking at this scripture saying, watch the news. I would agree. Watch the news. Because that's what's happening. Interesting. Let's go back to the scripture. 2 Timothy 3.6 For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loading down with sins, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never being able to come to the knowledge of truth. Now, as Jens and Jambres resisted Moses, so these also resist truth. Men of corrupt minds, disapproved concerning faith. But they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest or made known to all as theirs also was. Second point. Some will fall for false teaching and resist the truth. As Christians or Christ followers, we must live and keep the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. It's simple. Live and keep your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have to shift your thinking. You don't have to change your thinking. You don't have to, to move the, the church doctrine. The church doctrine is based on the Bible, which never changes. Oh, I know, but this might happen. Who cares what happens? We have to be faithful to God, beloved. If we are not faithful to God, what's the point of the church? What's the point? Somebody's got to be faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody's got to be faithful to God. Beloved, today is the day when people need to be faithful to Jesus Christ. That's today. Paul continues to tell Timothy. Verse 10. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, my teaching, my manner of life, proposed, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which have happened to me at Antioch and Iconium at Lystra. What persecutions I endured. And out of them, all the Lord delivered me. Out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Now, now listen to that. All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given 
by inspiration of God and is profitable for teaching or doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instructions in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. To be equipped in every good work, we need to know the scriptures. Reading the Bible is a key aspect to follow Jesus Christ. God's word does not change. Amen. Well, it's time now to carry on with our Bible study, and today my focus is on both 2 Timothy 2.5 and 1 Corinthians 9.25. And taking these passages together, we see how Paul compares a Christian spiritual journey to that of an athlete competing to win the prize. And Paul's point is simply that we should have the same dedication to our spiritual race as an Olympic runner has to his, so that we too may win the prize. But unlike an Olympian's crown, which will pass away, the Christian's crown is eternal. Now, with that said, let's do some background study on these very important passages to help us fully grasp Paul's message. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 and 25, the Apostle Paul compares a Christian spiritual walk or race to that of a runner. And he says to the Corinthians, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. The apostle here is almost certainly alluding to the ancient games of the Greeks, of which there were four. The two most celebrated of these, however, were the Olympic and the Isthmian, of which the Olympic took precedence. Interestingly, it was Corinth that hosted the Isthmian Games every two years, and it occurred at least once during Paul's stay. Thus, to make his point to these Corinthian believers, Paul used imagery that as residents of Corinth, they would have understood very well. As they full well knew, runners who wanted to compete in these games had to go into very strict training and had to exercise great self-control as they trained. As a matter of fact, athletes who competed in the games in Olympia had to swear an oath confirming that they had abstained from wine, meat, and sexual intercourse in the previous 10 months. The first century Greek philosopher Epictetus beautifully illustrates the rigors of such training. Would you be a victor in the Olympic games, he asked. So in good truth would I, for it is a glorious thing. But pray consider what must go before and what may follow and so proceed to the attempt. You must then live by rule, eat what will be disagreeable, refrain from delicacies. You must oblige yourself to constant exercises at the appointed hour in heat and cold. You must abstain from wine and cold liquors. In a word, you must be as submissive to all the directions of your master as to those of a physician. 
This is the level of commitment that Paul expects both of himself and other Christians in their spiritual race, in order that we too may receive the victor's crown, which will be of much greater glory than the Greek crowns, which were nothing more than chaplets of leaves. Indeed, the Olympic crown was made of the leaves of the wild olive, while the Isthmian crown was made of pine or withered celery. Since the earliest of times, such chaplets were bestowed upon great conquerors of the battlefield. Thus the psalmist declares of the triumphant Messiah in Psalm 132.18, Upon himself shall his crown flourish. The idea of a crown flourishing is very expressive when spoken of a leafy chaplet. Actually, the crown of thorns which was placed on the Savior's head was a mockery of these wreaths of triumph, as well as of the golden crowns of kings. Nevertheless, Paul's point is that just as an Olympian runs with the purpose of winning the prize, which is perishable, we also need to run with the goal of winning the heavenly crown, which is imperishable. So what Paul asks of believers certainly isn't easy, but it is important. Once we get saved, we have to avoid the temptation to keep on with our sinful lifestyles. As Paul put it to the church at Rome, we need to become living sacrifices to God and not be slaves to sin, but rather slaves to righteousness. We need to be spiritual athletes in a sense, training so that we may win the heavenly crown, which unlike a gold medal will never pass away. Yeah, that's really interesting. And by the way, the heavenly crowns uh, you see in Revelation where the elders, the 24 elders throw their crowns at the feet of Jesus Christ. It's very, well, the feet of God, but very, very, very interesting. Mm -hmm. So that's good. Janice? Yes, well, and kind of on the same idea, Ryan, I, I titled my segment today, Being Equipped. And uh, this is a really interesting passage. I know Rod has already taught on it. Paul talks about how men and the times will become worse and worse. He gives the characteristics of, you know, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And then he adds, and from such people turn away. Now, does that mean that we can't have friends with people who aren't believers? No, of course, that's not what it means. What it means is that we don't want to pattern our lifestyle. We don't want to be, we need to turn away from that. We, we, we're not going to just hang out with people like this all the time, because what can happen is that they begin to influence our lives. We begin to compromise and we begin to slip away. And we need to have our focus following the Lord Jesus Christ, not following the ways of this world, or we can become trapped. Don't be deceived. We can become trapped in this. Our number one focus is to have that relationship with God, that time every day where we spend in His Word, we spend time in prayer with Him so that we can be set Right, and I love the end of this passage. Um, he's he's t talking to Timothy. He says, But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's what the scripture does. That's what relationship and following after God does. We need to be equipped. And that's exactly 
why I appreciate this man who is sitting here and his ministry because yes. he helps us as the church, as believers, to be equipped in knowledge because when we, so often we see young people, Richard, who have grown up in the church, which is a, which is a wonderful place to grow up in. Sure. It's yeah. the best place to grow up. But then when we're challenged by other peers who have never grown up in the church and we're asked difficult questions, sometimes we're caught off guard because we're not equipped. Yes. And your ministry yeah. helps to equip us. I'm one of those who has been helped and equipped. Ryan said just the other day, the same thing with him. And so I so appreciate that equipping of what Creation Ministries International does. Yeah. Creation Ministries International, Richard Fangred. Richard, let me ask you a question. Uh, Dinosaurs? Dinosaurs? Dinosaurs lived millions of years ago, and a big asteroid came and wiped them out. Right? According to some. According to some. <laughs> Explain. There, there are different views on that. Um, and if you go with, uh, you look at Scripture, uh, look at Genesis and, and uh, develop the history. The, what's, the, what's the biblical view of history there? Um, we, you, you end up with a very different picture of, of dinosaurs. Dinosaurs are land animals. That means they were made on day six. Something else was made on day six. Uh, people. That's right. Human so we can say... Starting our thinking as Christians from the Bible in all areas, and we need to be doing that as Christians in all areas anyways, we can say conclusively, people and dinosaurs live together. That's extremely controversial. But from the Bible, that's what happened. So dinosaurs and people, initially everything was very good before sin. So dinosaurs is not like the Jurassic Park situation where uh, everybody's getting attacked and so on. Makes for good cinema, but uh, it wasn't like that initially. <laughs> But then Adam and Eve fell, and so then after that, maybe people, people and some animals disobeyed God's command to eat only plants, move up to the time of the flood, and now people think, okay, well, dinosaurs on the ark, well, that's got to be a fairy tale, right? But the Bible says, again, Bible first approach, the Bible says that two of every, seven of some, so a pair of every, seven pairs of some, the clean animals, were brought to Noah. Noah didn't have to go on worldwide safari to bring all these animals in. They were brought to Noah, land-dwelling, air-breathing animals. Dinosaurs are land-dwelling, air-breathing animals. So again, if we're consistent, they were brought to Noah to take with them on board the ark. Not the big ones, not Brachiosaurus growing to over four stories tall. Bring the five-foot-tall Brachiosaurus, the four-foot-tall Brachiosaurus. The young ones. Yeah, bring the young ones, not grandma and grandpa. Bring the junior hires, right? They eat less. They do other stuff less. They, uh, easier to take care of. And most of the animals probably slept for long periods of time or went into hibernation on the ark anyways. For, they were on the ark for a little over a year. Then they got off the ark after the flood. And they repopulate to some extent. And there's loads of historical evidence that people lived with dinosaurs for many years after the flood. What's some so, of the evidence? Carving sculptures, tapestries, paintings, uh, all kinds of things from cultures all over the world of what any 10-year-old today would say, that looks like a dinosaur. Mm -hmm. So in China and in uh, places like this, do they have evidence of dinosaurs living with man? Yeah, yeah. Dinosaur, the word dinosaur is a new word entered, uh, invented in uh, about 1840, 1842, I think. And uh, before that time, it's, it's likely the word dragon was used. 
to describe these things. But now, a dragon describes a fire-breathing animal. Yes, we think of we think of uh, uh, these fire-breathing with wings and horns, and you've got Smaug in, in the, the <laughs> Hobbit and so on. And, and there are mythical uh, dragons, of course, in mythology, but those seem to be based on actual animals that today, with the word dinosaur that we have today, that they didn't have years ago, we would, we would call them dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. You look in the Bible, in the King James, for example, do a word search on dragon, it comes up quite a bit, often in lists of other real animals. So, I mean, not the dragon in Revelation, that's a symbol for something else. Right. Mm -hmm. But uh, often throughout the Old Testament, the dragon is listed with other real animals. It must have been a real animal. So context is really important here to it understand is. that because you, I mean, the, dra the dragon is referred to in Revelation is clearly referring to Satan. And, uh, but this is interesting because many people say the King James Version has nothing but dragons in it and dragons are, you know, that's a fairy tale and all of that. Why is that? Why is that? Why do they only use dragons? You know? I don't know. I, there's, there's this mystique about dinosaurs, that, that it's so ingrained that humans never lived with dinosaurs. And so this mention of dragon, or what, the, the, most people's minds never go to, oh, maybe the dragon there in the King James refers to a dinosaur. They just, they never get there. It's not even considered because we've been so evolutionized. The evolutionary history, mm -hmm. evolution just isn't about, isn't just about biology. You could be applied to many different things. There's the evolution of the heavens, for example. Stars grow and explode and so on. But uh, uh, as far as history, there's a history that evolution promotes. And in that history, they've placed dinosaurs in a certain position in that history. And many people have adopted that history today, even in the church, sadly. That's interesting. On the next program, I'm going to talk about the flood. Okay. Because that's really interesting, the, the global flood, global flood, uh, and because you talked about that two programs ago. But anyway, uh, this is really good. Creation.com is where you want to go to have Richard or anybody come to your church. And, uh, but, but they've got a lot of material there. And how many articles? It's over 13,000 now, and it's constantly growing. That's amazing. So, thousand, what? not An hundred. Amazing resource to be equipped. Yeah. These are scientists yeah. and PhDs and everything else who've who've described the biblical idea of putting the Bible first and yeah. allowing yep. God to tell you. Essentially, the forty years over four decades worth of research by Bible believing scientists is there available online. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely Wonderful. amazing. Okay, so make sure you go there, creation.com. Very, very important. Right now, let's get back to the program and let's begin to pray. Lord, today we pray, come to you and pray, and we say, Lord, there's a lot of changing going on and a lot of things that we just don't understand happening, and we were not taught this way. So as a believer in you and a follower of the Bible, I pray, help us to stay faithful to you, Holy Spirit. 
Come into our hearts and keep us strong. Keep us faithful regardless of what happens. Because, Lord, you are our Lord and we serve you. We don't serve ourselves. Thank you.